Hello, weary internet travelers, and welcome to Odds and Ends. Uh, <laughs> this week's episode is uh, kind of loose. Um, it's not really anything in particular. We didn't really have an idea um, for this week. We're kind of killing a week so that we can talk Guardians of the Galaxy. We have we're on the verge of the summer blockbuster movie extravaganza. So, who boy, uh, <laughs> it's shaping up to be a busy summer. We actually. Some release dates have moved around on us, and uh, there's a four-week run from June to July that's just insane with Baby Driver, uh, Spider-Man, um, Planet of the Apes, and Dunkirk. Mm. And so, golly. Like, I, a, lot, a lot of big ones. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do about that. Um, we may dump some of that off on YouTube or something. But uh, we wanted to give you guys a, an episode this week, and... Uh, Honestly, it's just going to be more of a conversation. Um, it's not really going to be like a, oh, last week at work, this happened. It's still going to be focused around movies and pop culture and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, an idea we've been toying with is uh, expanding the what we've been watching segment into just kind of what we've been consuming this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are several podcasts that do that. And I kind of like that idea since our interests range outside of movies as well. Um, so before that, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I totally <laughs> forgot to introduce myself. And I am your other co-host, Ryan Buell. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Tired but good. I've been, I've been subbing all this week, so. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying it, but I, I'm reminded, oh, this is what a Monday through Friday job feels like. Yep. Gotta get back on the swing. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, what have you been consuming this last couple of weeks? Uh, outside of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. That was like evil Popeye. That was like Popeye with a goatee. <laughs> that was Woody Woodpecker with a goatee. So, yeah. The alternate universe. Um, this week, mainly, um, I've been consuming, like, the things I do in my downtime. Watching Star Trek. Me and my wife are going through season three. It's amazing. Of uh, Next Generation? Next Generation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Next Generation. Jean-Luc Bicard. Bicard? Yeah. Bicard. Oh, man. Talking. It's going to be great tonight, <clears throat> let me tell you. Um, yeah, I've been watching that. We just... Uh, I think we're like partway through season three, and it's so good. Is that the one, the first one after Roddenberry died? I think so, because it's gotten better. Uh-huh. So, which sounds... Terrible to say, but his his uh, his brand of storytelling is weird mm-hmm. and very <sighs> just weird. <laughs> no, just don't care for for the kind of stories he likes to tell. Um, but no, yeah, like last night I was telling you before we started recording, uh, we, me and my wife watched two episodes. Um, uh, what was it? I think it's one of them. I think it's called Data's Daughter. Was one. Okay. Which is an amazing one about where Data kind of creates his own daughter, and that was that that hit me in the feels. And then the second one was called Sins of the Father, mm. which delves into like the Klingon, more about the Klingon culture and kind of something Worf has to go through with something his father supposedly did. Oh, and interesting. So really, really great episode. Um, so that's been great. Been watching that and a lot of board game stuff. That's yeah. Kinda my, my go-to hobby, like, mm-hmm. is watching board game videos. I watch a lot of the uh, YouTube channel called The Dice Tower. We're both yeah. fans of that, and I watch I watch a lot of those just to kind of get caught up on what's coming out and 
watching reviews for that. That's that's my kind of instant like, I got time to kill. Oh, what's new on the dice tower? I do the same thing. Yeah. So um, haven't really had a chance to play any board games this week. But typically in a week, at night, me and my wife will play card games or um, one of our favorite games to play. Uh, just offhandedly is Love Letter. Mm-hmm. So we play that one. We, if we go out to dinner or something, we'll do that. But yeah, a lot of board game stuff. Um, really excited for this Saturday, International Tabletop Day. Yeah. Been, been gearing up for that. Uh, that's like Christmas for, yeah. <laughs> for my family. Uh, and I'm sure many nerds out there who, who listen, that's that's a, a huge thing. Um... Do you know what? Do you have games you're gonna play in mind? Yeah, I I just ordered a couple today that I'm ex- excited that I'm excited to try. Sorry, that was weird. Um, one of them called Rise of Augustus, which is a very cool um, kind of like go fish, but not sucky. Not go fish, <laughs> bingo. Kind of like bingo. Oh, weird. But um, a really cool mech mech. Oh man, mech game mechanisms. Sorry. Is it like a card drafting game or Um kind of. You've got a set of three cards in front of you, and you've got these little um military meeples. Okay. And there's a draw bag, and the in the draw bag are the different symbols that are on each card. And as oh. the symbols get pulled out, you decide what like bingo, like which one am I gonna match up? And once you meet all the requirements on a card, you have to say Ave Caesar. Mm-hmm. And you cash it in, and then you get certain. If you get certain sets, there's bonus cards to get. I see. And it's really simple, but it's a lot of fun. Huh. Um. So got that one coming, which I'm hoping to play um, on Saturday, and another one called Royals, which is from our uh, board game company, Arcane Wonders. By Lord. By Lord, yes, of course they mm-hmm. they they they. <laughs> It's the board game for the musical song, Royal. Does it come with a tiger on a gold leash? Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a it's a reprint, a second edition of an older game, but it's brought over from Dice Tower. Oh, okay. And so it's a part of the Dice Tower Essentials. But essentially, without going into too much detail, it's like Ticket to Ride, but with like nobility and set collecting and getting cards and kind of claiming different lords and ladies from different things and... Got it. It's probably sounds boring the way I'm putting it, but trust me, it looked really amazing, and I I wanted to give it a try. And I'm not sure what else we've. Me, me and my wife have a large board game collection, as MJ has has seen on yes. a few occasions. It's, yes, it's pretty and sweet. seen the aftermath of it. Took out a shelf, man. It did. Well, we had we had cheap, cheap uh, composite wood bookshelves from like Walmart and Target. Mm. And it uh, literally was sitting in our game room playing, and my back was to the shelves. My wife was staring out. She said, "Honey, I think we need to replace the bookshelves because they were leaning to the right." And I said, "Nah, they, these are fine. They're gonna stay until we move." And literally after finishing that sentence, I hear a crack, and they dominoes, <laughs> and just all shattered. And a couple of board games kind of got badly damaged, oh, and I've got to I got to tape them up and. So that was a whole thing that that day. We were gonna play board games the whole day, and that uh, it became a chore. Instead. It became a chore. I had to literally stack them all against the wall, but I had to take all the shelves out. It was it was a pain in the butt. Anyways, well, we bought new shelves mm-hmm. made of solid oak, and got those uh, got those all set up. But um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I live a pretty simple life. <laughs> I do board games, hang out, chill with friends. Yeah. Uh, How about you? <clears throat> I actually, that Rise of Augustus game sounds neat. I like, I like games that you can describe as another game, but fun. Yeah. That's, I really like that. So there's this game called Power Grid. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite games. Yeah. And I always describe it as Monopoly, but fun. Ah. Um, and it's very, it's a very economic game. Very much like an area control type thing. Like you're all kind of vying for the same pieces of property, but it's much more interactive than Monopoly is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's more, it's arguably about the same amount of time, but there's more stuff to do mm-hmm. in it. Um, so I think that I like those games because I think, I think they're good for people who are not as into games mm-hmm. um they can at least have some sort of a frame of reference because they've likely played monopoly before another one is small world which i describe as risk but fun yeah um <clears throat> I love small world yeah Such it's a great game man it's so fun i just played it for the first time in the last month yeah uh, i've owned it for almost a year and oh, for the first time ever yeah, playing it yeah <gasps> Ooh, yeah tell. It was really fun. We played a two-player game, just yeah. me and Kristen. And it goes fast, doesn't it? It, go, it does go fast, and the board scales to mm-hmm. however many. So if you have two players, you're playing on a smaller board, yep. which is great because a lot of games that are super interactive like that are really bad two-player games because the board's too big. Yeah. Ticket to Ride with two players sucks mm. because if you end up with routes that are nowhere near each other, you're just kind of building your trains for yeah. an hour or 45 minutes no or whatever real interaction yeah no real interaction um and so it plays better with three or four people where the bra- the board is more crowded yeah but small world comes with um two or three double-sided boards and uh it scales so if you're on a two-player or three-player game you play on this map and yeah. four-player this map and five-player this map and so that goes a long way to yeah. uh to helping it scale um, that's a super important thing for couples who board game. If you're thinking about getting into the hobby, uh, that's a that's a super important thing to think about. I can attest to that. My big for me, I don't know about you. When I buy a board game, I always say, "Is it can it be played two player? Mm-hmm. And will my wife like it?" Yep. Because if I've got like two game, two board games in my collection that Lisa hates. Okay, which ones? Uh, Once upon a time. Oh, I hate that game too. Oh, you do? I love the game. Card-driven storytelling game. She hates that one and she hates Schmovie. Oh, I, it seems like I would hate that one. But I, I haven't played it. I love that game. It's a game, you know, it's a game about making up movie titles based off of cards. Or, yeah, cards. A roll of a die tells you what the genre is, and then a card tells you what, and then another card tells you, like, an adjective. Like, what that thing, like a, a crazy clown mm-hmm. or a lovesick cowboy, you know, things like that. Yeah. And I love that, but... If you're not good on the fly with coming up with stuff, like, I I, I, I hesitate to say creative, because everyone's creative in different ways. Yeah. Um, if you're not good on coming up with stuff on the fly, then it's not a game you're going to enjoy. Yep. But if you get see a genre and you see, like, a who and a what, and you just kind of, like, parody that, then it's it's a ton of fun, but... My wife does not care for that one. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, I have... Trains, which my wife hates, but mm-hmm. I like. I think it's a good game. I think I would like to play it more mm-hmm. because I think there's a. I I haven't played. I've only played it twice. Once with her and once with you. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and she hates it because it looks like a textbook, and that's indefensible. Uh, <laughs> it definitely looks like a textbook, but I think there's a good game in there. Yeah. I just have not played it enough to get to know the mechanics well enough to know how to 
if make the game be efficient. Yeah. And that's a game all about making an efficient deck. Um, but I would like to. I think there's some good like strategy in building your deck in that game. Yeah. But no one ever wants to play it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I also have this game called La Isla. Mm, um, which one. is, a, I think it's a Stefan Feld game. Uh, sorry for listeners who don't know who Stefan Feld is. He's kind of a, he's a big name designer. Yeah. Um, that's the thing with these board games is a lot of them live and die by their designers. I think that might be why I've gotten into the hobby is because mm. I can make a direct connection from like, oh, stuff lives and dies by the director. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so it kind of feels like the director of the game. Yeah. And so Stefan Feld is kind of... He's kind of the art house director of board games, kind of. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if you can draw a parallel. Um, they're very thinky, not a lot of player interaction, kind of solving your own puzzle. Uh, group solitaire almost type mm-hmm. games. Uh, and so La Isla is a lighter version of that. He usually does about four games a year, two light to medium games and two heavy games. And this one's one of his lighter medium ones. Uh, and my wife hated it for some reason. Mm. I, it's not even that bad of a game. I liked it. I yeah. also wrecked her. Um, <laughs> that might be, have something to do with it. Yeah. Like. I There was something about that game where the strategy clicked really, really easily with me. Yeah. And so I was able to like build a, an efficient card engine out of it. And she couldn't quite grasp or play catch-up very well. And so I kind of owned it. <laughs> but I like I like the game. Um, but yeah, I have... I've, those are the two Kristen like refuses to play and Robinson Crusoe, which I really like. I remember playing that one with you once and that game is fracking hard. It is. You were also very new to the hobby. Yes, that's true. That, that was, I think that may have been the second game you ever played with me. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for listeners who don't know, MJ was the one that got me into the hobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was dating my wife at the time. We, we, uh, and uh, I, rem- I remember vividly, we were driving out in Bakersfield. And in Bakersfield, you don't know what you're going to do. You just drive somewhere and be like, yep. oh, let's do something. Uh, and I remember you called me. I was like, hey, man, have you ever played Dice Masters? And I was like, no. And is the, Was it Dice Masters it that got Dice you? It was Dice Masters. All right. Because you'd call me and say, hey, you, if, you, if you and Lisa aren't busy, come over to Otto's. Mm-hmm. Come play. And I was like, Otto's? I've never been in there. I don't know. Okay. So we went, uh, went to Otto's, which now is like my home away from home. <laughs> Me and Lisa literally, we've, um, since my wife has been on disability, uh, almost on every Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll go to Otto's and we'll spend the day just gaming. Hmm. It's just kind of a fun way to get out of the house, someplace cool to go, and it's it's literally home away from home. Uh, love Otto's now, and love board games now, all because a good friend of mine said, hey, come try a game with me. That's hilarious. That so. was me just being like, Kristen won't play this. I need someone to play it with. <laughs> and so the premise of Dice Masters when it came out is that you have bags of dice and you're trying to uh, draft different heroes to be on your team, essentially, to attack the other player's team of heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I figured I would get really into it. And I did for a time. I haven't played in like two or three years. Yeah, uh, me either. But... I, when it came out, I thought it was such a cool idea. Um, it kind of seemed like magic meets hero clicks, but l- less annoying than both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
And I liked the theme a lot more than I liked magic because I like superheroes more than I like fantasy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Ryan is the biggest superhero fan I know, so I was like, <laughs> I want to get him on the on, on the ground level of this. Yeah. And so I had him come and play. That's hilarious. I didn't realize gate ma- dice masters was your gateway. It was it was the gateway, and then uh, and then I remember we met there a few other times. Mm-hmm. You introduced us to Splendor. Mm-hmm. And, I remember playing um, Splendor with you guys. And a couple other games, but yeah, it's it's spiraled out from there. Yeah. Yeah. And ah. Uh, oh. Such a great hobby to have. I yeah, love it. it's real fun, man. Um, it and it's cool because they are kind of big upfront investments, you know, yeah. 50 or 60 sometimes $70. But I think they're very easy stay-in date nights, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, usually if a game is good with two players, it builds out really well yeah um usually if it's good with two players that means that it's good with four players uh, yeah. not always but i think a lot of times yes um and so you can ha- it's easy to have it for just you and your person or uh i mean hell even you and your roommate or you know whoever you play games with if it's just the two of you and then if you want to have people over or take it somewhere mm-hmm. you can take it and it it you know can accommodate more people really well too yeah um, so I think it's a good hobby to have. And then if you get a regular gaming group, you can trip in and, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, it's kind of the ultimate college thing almost, yeah. you know, if you have like six people and you each trip in $10, you can get a game. Yeah. Um, and Which that game is so much more healthy than let's all trip in and get a bunch of booze. <laughs> yeah. And well, game, and also better. it's going to last you a lot longer too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to, the best board game stores I've been to are in college towns because mm-hmm. college kids spend money on them. Yeah, it's a it's become insanely popular now. Board mm-hmm. games are kind of you know, they're all, they're at their peak right now, and um, I don't know for, for me, I love board games because for all the obvious reasons, it's it can be fun, it can be a mental kind of puzzle you can go mm-hmm. through, and you know, it's it's essentially toys for adults, yeah, or kids too. But my favorite aspect of board games is this: it's a social mm-hmm. event mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that video games and even movies aren't. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a movie, you're, you're quiet yeah. and you're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, dark room, a, bright, bright wall. Yeah, if you're playing a video game, yeah, you can have people sitting next to you on the couch, but you're, you're not really talking, talking. You're kind right. of focused on a screen. But in a board game, there's no, like, they're shooting us, do something, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's time to kind of talk and converse and yeah. take pauses and, you know, laugh and just have that kind of communication. Yeah. And like, if people aren't, are taking a while on their turn, it's fine. Yeah. Like I never really get on people about taking a lot of time on their turns because one, that's kind of rude Two, uh, I know they're probably later in the game will come a point where I'm going to need to take like five to 10 minutes on a turn. Yeah. And three, I'm just with my friends. So while, just hanging out. Yeah. you know, while so-and-so is taking a long time on their turn, I can just turn and talk to this other person and mm-hmm. we can hang out. You know, it's a, like, it's part of the night. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's a real good hobby. And I'm actually, I, that's part of the reason for this episode is, you know, tabletop, a new tabletop day was coming up and I'll kind of like, I kind of just wanted to talk to my other board gaming friend about that. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite game? Favorite board game? Oh man. It's like asking me my favorite child and I don't have any children. Um, I would have to say my favorite. Oh man. My absolute favorite. The one that I, it's going to be a bit of a cheat, but my <laughs> absolute favorite tabletop game would have to be Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people are going to say, but it's not in a board. It's not a board game. Whatever. 
it's the granddaddy of them all. Without D and D, you wouldn't have about eighty percent of the board games we have now. Yeah. Um. So that's like my favorite tabletop game in terms of like board games. I don't know. Small World's kind of up there. Really? Lately, like the more I, the more I play it, the more I love it because I dig the theme, fantasy, and I dig the, the dig the strategy that comes uh-huh. with it, with like the randomized character and uh, class abilities, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of stupidity of it all, but yet the hilariousness of it. Um, so yeah, Small World is is up there. But the I, art's really good in it too. The artwork is amazing. Um, I also, I really, really, one of my, another favorite of mine would be Lords of Waterdeep. I've never played that one. That's a really good, that's a really good worker placement game. Yeah. Um, cause again, it fits with D&D obviously, mm-hmm. but it's also very thinky kind of what, where do I put these guys to maximize my abilities? And I, I dig the theme for me. Theme is like the big thing mm-hmm. I look for in the game. If I don't care about the theme, I, I have no desire to try it out. Um, yeah, I mean, if you wanted, like, a top ten for me, that'd take some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But off the top of my head, like, yeah, Lords of Waterdeep and, and Small World are, are two of my favorites. That's funny, I feel like there's a direct line between what we value in movies and what we value in games, because yeah. I don't really care about theme as much, but mm-hmm. I like cool mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, but theme does go, you know... I'm not super into fantasy stuff, so we don't have a ton of fantasy games. Yeah. But it's weird because I have this collection, right? And I start, I do start to get burnt out, much like binge-watching. Mm-hmm. I start to get burnt out on the, the themes that I love. So there was a period of time where I was buying too many sci-fi games, and now that I'm kind of in a spot where I'm buying too many Western-themed games. Mm. Um, so I kind of feel like I need to pad it out with some... Uh, fantasy stuff but there aren't like that many fantasy games out there that really grab my attention um so i I don't know i could recommend a few that i think you'd like yeah i'm also a sucker for a super weird theme like uh you know preda porter no so it was kind of a precursor to robinson crusoe okay and it's all about like being in the fashion industry and like designing oh. clothes like des- it's like a super heavy worker placement game yeah like for, super heavy but for fashion design. but like about making dresses and like sending them to the runway and getting like money for them and stuff yeah and like i think that's so cool yeah like i i'm a sucker for any like any theme that's kind of random yeah. you know like that, that's just kind of an outlier yeah. um there's a game you have about falling in love with mr darcy yeah, uh, that's that, a great card game. I haven't played it, but I love that theme. Like, I love that a board game can be about so many different things. Yeah. Um, you know, there's games about making wine. There's games about racing cars. There's games uh, about brewing beer and running your own pub. Yeah. Um, you know, I think those themes are really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if I don't give a crap about, like, I don't care about fashion. Yeah. And they're retheming that game to be about the video game industry, actually, about oh, designing a video game. Because uh, the theme got kind of laughed out of the board game community, which I think is a bummer. I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're retheming it to be about making a video game, mm. um, which doesn't make sense. They're probably going to change the name because mm. Preda Porter is French for ready to wear. <laughs> um ready ready to play play i guess <laughs> something like that yeah uh but i like when designers kind of take a big risk on a theme yeah. and clearly in Freda porter's case it didn't 
didn't pay off. Pay off. Yeah. It did because the game was solid enough to issue a rework of it. Mm-hmm. But I like that the theme was really bold. Yeah. And like really different. Because um, it seems like a lot of times you do see a lot of like, this one's about horror. This one's about Cthulhu. This one's about space. This one's about westerns. This one's about fantasy. It's and so out of the box. Yeah. Like there's one called And Then We Held Hands. Yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah. I like kind of want to play it because it's about a couple like trying to resolve an argument. Yeah. Um, And that's like a cool. That's what? Like that's so cool. Yeah. There was a weird one that looked interesting. I think it's called When I Dream. Or something like that where... One person wears a blindfold, and what? then there are, there are everyone else. It's a party game, so you've got basically two teams. You've got sprites and imps, and you've got a deck of cards. I wish you could see the look I'm giving Ryan right now. <laughs> and there's a deck of cards, and you flip it up, and there's a central picture. And the person with the the uh, mat or the eye covering can't see anything, and so that person is then relying on each person to give one word clues. As to what the picture is, and they can't be they can't be the word itself, but let's say it's like um, I don't know, beach. Then if you're the fair, if you're the picture, whatever they are, the good guys, you're trying to say words like sand, palm, mm. palm trees, things like that make you think beach. But if you're an imp, you're trying to throw in other words that are kind of there, but will throw you off to make you guess something else. And if the person guessed correctly, then the pixies will get a point. If you guess uh, wrongly, the imps get a point. Interesting. And so it's it's a a weird kind of a game, but I'm kind of fascinated by it. Like yeah. I, I at least would want to try it. Yeah. I'm always down to try those kind of board games, just to to say. Um, but yeah, it's amazing the different themes. Like the two of the ones that you're talking about, making wine and and brewing beer. Mm-hmm. Two of my another favorite games of mine that I actually own, Viticulture, which is about making wine. Mm-hmm. It's a good game, man. Yeah, we played it. It's, it's man, it's so solid. It's a, it's a solid one. And then Brewcrafters, which mm-hmm. I got to get you to try sometime. I really want to play that one. That's also one that's a lot of fun. Really thinking in like how, like this puzzle of like how basically like any board game, how do I maximize my points mm-hmm. by doing this, this, and this, and. Mm-hmm. How do I kind of edge someone out of getting something? Because that's kind of what worker placements are all about. Like getting a resource someone else doesn't get and kind of, and if you don't get that, okay, what do I do instead to kind of compensate? So that's yeah. an interesting tug of war. Yeah. I like that crap a lot, man. So yeah, yeah we're going to be celebrating board game uh, tabletop day as well. Uh, I th- I'm going to try to get table or Twilight Struggle. To mm-hmm. the table, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. Are you uh, going to go to Autos or somewhere else? Or... Uh, probably to the library where my wife works. Yep. Yep. Um, wrong with that. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, and then we're meeting up with some friends later in the day that are recent converts. Oh, what are you guys going to play? Everything. Like, Everything? we're just, yeah, we're meeting up at two and it's just going to kind of be a party. Um, nice. I think we're going to do lighter games in one room and heavier games in another. Oh. Um, that sounds so, amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, and it was, we kind of found a group of friends that it was kind of similar to what happened with you. Like, we were like, we would hang out a bunch and then we kind of got tired of watching movies. And so we were like, let's play board games. And it kind of blew their minds. What is, the, what are these? Yeah. There's more? So we played, the, the first game we played was uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, I love that game. Mm-hmm. And after we played Betrayal at House on the Hill, they were like, what other, what other games are there that are like this? And so 
we've kind of been working our way through the collection, um, which has been cool because they're more open to themes that my wife is a little resistant to. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one being Battle at Kemble's Cascade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the arcade shooter one with the oh, scrolling board. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife isn't opposed to the theme. As a matter of fact, I think she likes the theme. She, it looks a little too intimidating for her. Mm. Um, so she is a little worried about it. Yeah, so, yeah. But now I have a group of friends I could go play with. Um, you know, she's going to be at work for the first three hours of our meetup. And so I think we're going to try to get that Bust in. that out. Nice. Yeah. Um, and that because we don't want to like leave her out either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we've been talking about pitching and buying Pandemic Legacy, and I've heard nothing but good things. Me too. Number one on Board Game Geek. Oh, is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that one is, is still up there. Um, the recent uh, Legacy game, Leg- Seafall. Seafall, yeah. which did not get no good reviews by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So a Legacy game, you were going to explain what a Legacy game. Yeah, was. Legacy games. It's this new kind of. I hate to call it a fad, but it is a fad in board gaming, uh, where it's these games. It started with Risk Legacy. Mm-hmm. By Rob, Wh- Rob Davia was the guy who came up with yeah. the idea for a Legacy game. Um, and essentially, a Legacy game is a board game that you take, and there are things that happen in the game that where you permanently alter the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's story points, and there's things going on in there that, you know, you're ripping up cards because events happen, and... You know, whole pieces of the map might get blown up because of X, Y, and Z. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's a board game that's malleable. Like, yep. you change and it becomes yours. Um, cool thing is, yeah, it becomes an experience that you and your group of friends share. You know, yeah. you made this board, you did this or that. Downside of the legacy system, it has a limited number of playthroughs. Like, the key thing of board, board games is most time you buy them, it's a one and done. You buy it, you have it the rest of your life, you can play it infinite amount of time right but with legacy games they have a half-life they 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 you can only play them so many times before you're done mm-hmm. uh you can always play them again but because it's like a novel or a movie uh but not even that's you know like it's once you know the secret you can't unlearn it yeah, yeah. you know you kind of have to say oh, okay. yeah uh, we've solved the puzzle. Moving on. I thought Risk and Pandemic were set up to where you could play the regular game on the board you guys created after. I guess you could do that. I I, I haven't played either. I've wanted okay. to, but um, the consensus I've gathered is, well, if that's the case, just play your own. Yeah, but Risk if you're playing, pandemic, if you're gonna you know? play like Risk or Pandemic with those people, it would be cool to be like, let's True. play on the thing we made together. Like True. that's that's what I like about it. True. That um, would be pretty cool to do. Also, the the amount of playthroughs they do give you are pretty big. Like, it's yeah. like 12. Like, I can't think of a single game in my collection I've played 12 times. That's true. I can think of a few, maybe, um, but none of the real big box ones. Yeah. So, if anything, for a group like ours, it would force us into playing the big box games more. That's true. Um, so, I, I like that system a lot. Yeah. Um, well, a system that kind of employs that, but not with, like, it being malleable, but kind of like a one and done is time stories. Yeah, which I love. Mm-hmm. That. I've I've gone through time stories is like a choose your own adventure board game, mm-hmm. um, where with more strategy, with way more strategy. <clears throat> it's um, not just like flip this card over, you die, lose. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing quite like that. But it's like a, a choose your own adventure meets an RPG, but in kind of card form, hmm. and you've got several different scenarios that you can kind of plug into this main board. 
and uh, it's so good. I love that. Yeah, love and the then system. Mice and Mystics is kind of one mm-hmm. too. Imperial Assault. Yeah, you, these kind of campaign-driven yeah. tabletop games. Story-driven, like character progression. Again, all borrowing from Dungeons and Dragons. That yeah. essential idea of you're carrying a story through, but um, but yeah, Pandemic Legacy. I've heard. Lots of good things about yeah, that. Yeah, I really want to play it. Um, so that's uh, that was the deep dive on tabletop games. Uh, <laughs> but so as far as what I've consumed this week, I started reading my first ever James Bond novel uh, called Devil May Care. It's, I'm two chapters into it, so basically I've seen the inciting incident and met James Bond. I kind of like it. Um, it's written by someone whose name I forget, but not Ian Fleming. It came out in 2008. Uh and where we meet Bond, he's on sabbatical because um, he's like a little burnt out mm-hmm. physically. Like he's not in like the best shape. Yeah. Um, and so they've actually sent him to kind of a resort to heal up and be not in as bad of shape. They've made him stop drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a curfew basically. Um, he, I think they said no women too, but they like... He gets super into tennis, and that makes me laugh. Like, just like a James Bond that's, like, really into playing tennis. Um, so, it's cool. It's It does some very... Uh, it takes some chances with the character without be, be betraying it, um, I feel like. So far, at least, mm-hmm. obviously. It still feels very in the Bond tradition. Yeah. Um, and so I like that. Uh, I've been reading it on my breaks at work. Um, so the, like I said, it's the first one I've ever read, so I assume the Fleming ones are probably a little bit better, mm. um, just because he's the guy who made them. Yeah. But this is, seems serviceable so far. Like yeah. A good little page turner. Um, let's see, what else? I watched two movies this week. I watched three movies, but one of them is not worth talking about. It was The Promise, the Armenian Genocide movie, mm. uh, with Christian Bale and Oscar Isaac. It's bad. Uh, go to keithlosmovies.com and you can read my review about it. Uh, the two movies I watched were The Late Show which stars Art Carney and Lily Tomlin. Uh, Art, Carney, heard of that one. Art Carney is Ed Norton from The Honeymooners. The oh, the okay. Yeah, um, yeah. It's from 1977, so he's quite a bit older. Mm-hmm. He plays an aged private detective who is uh, given the case to find Lily Tomlin's missing cat and intrigue from there, basically. All right. It's really good man that screenplay is very tight it's 93 minutes long which uh immediately makes it at least a b in my book yeah um it's a really efficient movie it tells you a lot about the characters it's really hard to follow but not in a bad way um it just rewards your intelligence you do have to pay attention to it i missed a couple major plot points because i was doing laundry while i was watching it (laughs) um and but yeah, it's it's really solid, man. Uh, so what happened is my wife started working at a library, and libraries cover or carry movies, mm-hmm. and they carry a lot of weird, obscure, out of print, hard to find movies. So I've kind of been making her rent all those because she gets <laughs> free rentals yeah. from our library system. Our library charges two dollars and fifteen cents for a seven day rental, uh, which is still pretty good. It's better than Redbox. And, uh, yeah, so it's the closest thing to Blockbuster that we have. Um, so I just have like a running list on my phone of stuff I want her to pick up and she just kind of puts it on hold and can bring it home from work. And it's been great. Mm. Um, 
So she rented me the late show. Well, she had rented the late show for a movie day they were doing at her work and then brought it home to me. And it feels a lot like The Nice Guys. Uh, if you guys have seen The Nice Guys, go double feature it with The Late Show. And it feels like they feel like sequels almost. Mm. Um, you could pair it with basically any Shane Black movie, to be perfectly honest. Mm. <laughs> um, you, can, <laughs> you can see how much this movie influenced Shane Black. Uh, which is cool. I like watching the influences of my favorite directors. The other movie I watched is a movie called Blowout. Never heard of that one. It's from 1981. Like, nobody has heard of this movie. And I hadn't either until maybe two years ago when I really started getting into the film community online, like on Twitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the film people I follow on Twitter, they say it's, uh, they talk about it a lot and. They say it's the best movie from director Brian De Palma, mm. who directs Scarface and I want to say maybe Carlito's Way, maybe okay. Serpico. Um, I don't like Brian De Palma movies mm. uh, at all, really. Um, Blowout is a dang old masterpiece. Mm. It is one of the best movies I've seen, like full stop, just Dang. period, one of the best movies I've seen. It's from 1981. It stars John Travolta. And he plays a man who records sound effects for movies. And he records, he's out recording some sounds at night. And he records the death of the governor of Pennsylvania. The reason that's a big deal is because the governor of Pennsylvania, in the fiction of the movie, is the front runner for president in the upcoming election. And so he listens back to it and determines he hears a gunshot. So what happens is the the car the tire on his car blows out, hence the name of the movie. There's a blowout and it goes into a lake and he drowns. Okay. When he listens back to the audio, he hears a gunshot before the blowout. And so his theory is that someone shot out the tire and caused the blowout. So he thinks he he hears that it's an assassination. Mm-hmm. But the government the government of Pennsylvania the state government is trying to kind of keep him out of it because he jumps in and rescues this woman who was in the car with him. Well, the woman who was in the car with him is not his wife. Oh. And so the lieutenant governor is kind of trying to distance them from the case so that people don't think ill of the governor of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, But they're very important players in what's going on. Yeah. And so it's kind of this like tense thriller of him trying to like prove it and kind of circumvent it, but then there's like a couple twists and turns along the way, and it kind of checks back in with the man who did do the assassination and kind of his motives. It's really, really good, man. Mm. It's so good. Nice. <laughs> Holy crap. I loved it, and I watched it with my dad, and my dad my dad had a stroke like five years ago, and so he's got some brain damage. He's fine, <laughs> um, but he's got some brain damage from it, and so it's hard for him to follow movies, kind of. Um, he's got uh, kind of short-term memory problems. He was riveted by this thing, man. Mm. He, like, and he's, my dad's older, which is stroke, uh, and on top of that, my dad's older, which means he gets up to pee a lot. My dad did not get up for anything during this movie. Like, he was just, like, stuck in his chair because of how good this movie was. And, like, it ended and he was like, oh, man, that was so good. And I was like, I know it was so good. <laughs> and it was funny because we had both had kind of a hard time following The Late Show. But he was cooking dinner and I was doing laundry. Yeah. And then we, like, sat down and watched Blood and we both were kind of like, what? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's, 
what's the next thing that's going to happen? And like, my wife called me during the climax of the movie and I never ignore calls from my wife. And I straight up was like, she'll call back and like, let it ring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, that movie kept me glued to it. It's so good. John Travolta is incredible. Like full on incredible in it. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. Um, It's good. Check it out, man. Blow out. All right. It's so worth your time. Like, I feel like this is a movie I'm going to be talking about for years and just trying to, like, convince people to watch it. Go see it. All right. Yeah. Um, and then, now, currently, I have Night of the Hunter uh, on my shelf. I might try to watch it tonight. Um, it's a movie about a crazy pastor. <laughs> um, okay. It stars Robert Mitchum. Okay. And it's from 1953, and it's kind of about... It's about this pastor who marries this woman, but it seems like... He might have nefarious reasons for doing so. And Hmm. I kind of like, especially for, it's a movie from 1953. Yeah. I like movies about, I don't want to say corrupted faith, but because, like, we've talked before on the show about our, you know, uh, religious affiliation, to to put it clinically. We're Christians. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And... We've also talked about how a lot of times the more down-the-line Christian movies don't really do anything for us. Yeah. And uh, so, as a Christian, like, that's the main filter that all my everything goes through. Or at least it should be. I, I try to make it that. But... It's hard to find, you know, you can pull out lessons from movies and call truth where you see it. Any, you know, anything that's true is of God because God is absolute truth. And so if something's true across the board, that's God. Uh, But it's hard to do that with some movies, (laughs) Um, you know, because that is not the full on intent of them. And the ones that are marketed to us suck. Mm. And so I like movies that kind of poke around in faith even a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. that are not specifically marketed to Christians. We had a very long conversation about silence. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that movie definitely poked around at faith a lot. Yeah. Not in, like, a mean way. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't poking fun at faith, but it, like, it just brought up a lot of questions and fostered a really good conversation between Ryan and I. Mm. And the place I've seen this movie popping up the most is in a couple of the Christian film groups I belong to on Facebook. So... I'm very interested because I don't think it's a full-on anti-Christian movie mm-hmm. because it's from 1953. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I that mean? That movement came later. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't like a thing, really, yeah. uh, at least in the popular culture. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested to see kind of what a corrupt pastor from 1953 movie looks like. It also reminds me of a darker version of this. Have you seen a Steve Martin movie called Leap of Faith? No. Have you heard of it? No, actually. Steve Martin. Um, oh gosh, I have to look up this cast. He plays a televangelist, a traveling like charismatic preacher in it, mm-hmm. and it's basically about him trying to swindle this town. Okay. And how uh, the town basically has some people are into it. But there's one guy who kind of sees through all his BS and is trying to run him out of town. And so Steve Martin plays this televangelist. And the guy who plays his uh, the the opposition in the town mm-hmm. is Liam Neeson. 
Oh. Yep. Also, uh, Meatloaf and Philip Seymour Hoffman are in this movie. What? Yeah. It's a weird one. It's not that good of a movie, but it's very interesting. Yeah. It's a very interesting movie. Um, if you haven't seen Leap of Faith, you should check it out. It's super weird. Um, and it ends on a really positive, like, note of, like, even the, like, it ends on a very positive note of, this guy was definitely corrupting the word of Jesus. Yeah. But still Jesus wins at the end. Like, the movie ends with, like, God existing. Yeah. Basically. Um, and so, that's kind of what Night of the Hunter reminds me of. We'll see. I'll have a full report next week. Okay. Um, Though it does seem like, based on kind of the conversations I've seen in my phone groups, it does seem like this pastor does commit murder, which does not happen in Leap of Faith. Eesh. Yeah, so I'm just kind of interested to see what it has to say. Okay. Um, You know, I saw a couple people whose uh, opinions about movies and theology I respect in those groups say that it's one of the greatest American movies ever made. Mm. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll watch it. Then. That's a rather bold statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll see. It's written and directed by Charles Lawton. It's the only movie he ever made. He was oh. an actor. Oh, okay. Um, it's widely considered one of the best debut films of all time. And people don't really know why he never made a second one. Maybe because he was like, well, this one's perfect. Uh, guess I'm done. Howdy. Yep. Mm. Uh, so yeah, and then I have like I like I said I have a whole list of stuff that I'm gonna have her bring over while she's working at the library. It's right. it's real cool, man. <laughs> you got the, the setup right there, man. Dude, it that's the thing is it reminds me so much how I miss a video store. Mm-hmm. Man, I miss a video store so much because like Redbox isn't gonna have this crap. Mm-mm. And Redbox just has what's hot. Yeah, and Fye isn't gonna have this crap. You know, it's blockbuster had all that you could find it at a blockbuster in town i'm sure yeah or a hollywood video or something you know i i am one of those guys who may be looking back at the video store with rose-colored glasses but like i really miss those places man i spent a lot of time in a blockbuster yeah uh both as a customer and an employee well you could find stuff i mean unlike now i mean i suppose with redbox you can still find stuff but there's nothing quite like it's like a library. Mm-hmm. It's not quite like going to a library or to an old video store and being like, well, what's this? What's this? And looking it up. And like, mm-hmm. I'll try it, you know? Mm-hmm. You, there's less of that random chance of finding a golden nugget. Now you have to research everything. Exactly. Exactly. That <laughs> takes the fun out of it a little bit. In exactly. A, in a small way. And that's, that's exactly what I'm using, like, this library perk. What we have it for is just, like taking risks because it's no skin off my nose right now. Yeah. Um, and just, like, hearing about movies and being like, that piques my interest and in seeing if I like it or not. Like, The Late Show, I thought I was going to like a lot more than I did. It's right. good. It's a solid movie. But I thought it was going to become, like, an instant favorite of mine. And I would see it again. Yeah. Um, but it's not one that's going to be in heavy rotation. Uh, Blowout was one that I thought was going to be maybe a little too hyped by the people that I follow on Twitter. It can be kind of an echo chamber of people liking the same things. And it, like wrecked me like it, i was i could have watched it again that night yeah um you know and so and then night of the hunter is kind of a wild card for me like i said i've seen people whose opinions i respect a lot uh be like yeah this movie's incredible and so i'm just like i've never heard of it like let's give it a shot let's yeah. see um and i remember doing that crap at blockbuster all the time just renting that's how i discovered some of my favorite filmmakers that's how i discovered martin scorsese mm-hmm. i went and saw the departed and i loved it and i was like what else has this guy done and just like everything i could consume of his mm-hmm. i picked off the shelf when i worked at hollywood video 
Um, yeah, I I really miss having that resource, especially now that we do the movie podcast. Yeah, like everything's expensive to rent or buy now. <laughs> um, a digital rental's like seven bucks for HD, and it's yeah. like what the hell, like that's how much a movie costs in our town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like having this resource. It's going to help the show a lot. I think uh, it's going to help uh, just kind of foster uh, the the. Um, the film school segments it's going to expand my knowledge it's going to you know allow me to to bring better you know historical context and knowledge to you guys it's a really cool resource and it's a lot of libraries it's weird that our library charges most like if you're not in bakersfield you might want to check at your local library because they a lot of places do uh movie rentals for free Mm -hmm. a lot of libraries do um and even if you are in our town it's two dollars and fifteen cents for seven days for a movie. That's plenty of time to watch it. Yeah. That's how much one Blu-ray costs for one night at Redbox. True. Come on, man. Uh, and if you're in uh, the San Joaquin Valley, they can get movies from any other library in the San Joaquin Valley. Do you know how long the San Joaquin Valley is? <laughs> uh, night of the Hunter, we have it uh, from the Fresno County Library System. Really? They yeah. brought that in. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have just your local library selection. You have the entire Valley's uh, selection of DVDs and Blu-rays at your disposal. That's pretty um, sweet. It's, it's a resource I think more people should take advantage of. They also have... Uh, you can also check out audiobooks digitally. There's an app on your phone that you can link to your library card and you can check out audiobooks and listen to them on your phone. That's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, right? And ebooks too. You can rent ebooks through that. Through the library. That's pretty cool. That's kind of their way of staying relevant, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yep. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it's all free. Yeah. You know, that's an amazing resource. That's pretty cool. I need to renew my library card. I yeah. I I still have fines on there from when I was in junior high. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. <laughs> um, yeah, so go support your local library. That's been that section. Um, let's see. Have I been watching any TV? I started watching Carmichael Show. Uh, it's a sitcom uh it's kind of it's a sitcom from this comedian named jared carmichael uh he's a black comedian um it's kind of i've been describing it to people as like uh almost like an all-black version of everybody loves raymond a little bit okay um so gerard carmichael is a stand-up comedian who is he's 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 newer he's a newer guy or He's probably been doing it for 10 years because that's how... If you've heard of a stand-up comedian, they've probably been doing, doing it for it 10 for years and time. you just now have heard of them. Yeah. Um, but he got this sitcom deal and it's about him and his girlfriend and his brother and his brother's ex-wife and his parents, basically. And his dad is David Allen Greer. Okay. Um, and it's just kind of this sitcom very much in the style of an Everybody Loves Raymond. The parents are always meddling in the kids' business and... You know, everyone's got their kind of dysfunctions and weirdness in their house. The mm. the brother and his wife are divorced, but they're still living together. But her new boyfriend is living with them. Oh, yeah. uh, and but each episode kind of takes a hot button issue and talks about it. Um, his girlfriend is really liberal. His dad is really conservative and he's kind of in the middle. OK, um, so each episode is kind of a one act play. That's about whatever the issue at hand is. There's one about gun control. Um, 
Uh, the last episode of season two, which I'm on now, is just called President Trump. So I'm assuming they're talking about the election in okay. it. There's one about Black Lives Matter, and that's an all-black cast. And it kind of, um, you know, the the mom and the girlfriend are very, like, for it. And then the guy, the Gerard, is kind of like, well, I kind of see both sides of it. Like, I, yeah. you know, as a black man, like, I get it. But also, like, I... I deal with it a lot, you know, and so he's kind of in the middle of it. And then the dad is like super anti it. And so it never really resolves. It kind of resolves, but it, it definitely, cause he created the show. It, it always kind of resolves middle of the road. Cause it's his, his perspective on yeah. it. So he always kind of writes it in a way that's the most annoying part is like, it never really takes like a side either way. It kind of ends with him just being like, I don't know. The middle's the right way. And I'm pretty moderate politically, but at the same time, it's like, uh, Pick a side here. Yeah, it's, it's it's. I'm kind of like, oh, is this how I sound? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but it's it's like really well written and really respectful to every point of view. Um, you know, they don't just like, they're not just like you are wrong immediately to the conservative character or the liberal characters. Yeah. Really, they kind of just talk about it, and that's about it. Mm. Um, and I like that. Um, you know, it's, but, and also at the end of the day, there's still a family that loves and cares for each other. Yeah. You know, that's the ultimate note that they all end on is like, they all talk about this issue. Um, the one I just watched was about like abortion and the plan B, plan B pill. Mm. Um, and it kind of ended with them being like, we're still a family. Like at the, like we have our disagreements and we had, you know, this is a big issue. Obviously it's a big topic. It's a hot button issue. But at the end it's like. Uh, they talk, it, it ends with them like getting together to watch TV still. Like, you know, yeah. no, no matter what the decisions are or the views we have, like we're still a unit. Yeah. You were still in this together. It's kind of reminding me of, I don't know if you've watched any of the Tim Allen's uh, Last Man Standing. I've seen like a handful of episodes, but. It's really good. I've, I think I've, I've seen seasons one through five on Netflix. They have them mm-hmm. up there. And that one is really good. Like, it's a bit of an homage to Home Improvement. Because like, he runs a sporting goods store, right? Uh, yeah. So, in fact, he's got some of the old cast from Home Improvement yeah. show up periodically, yeah. which is hilarious. Uh, all the nods and kind of tip of the hats they throw in there. Um, but his point of view really comes across. Like, mm-hmm. He's conservative. He's really conservative. A lot of con- like, in real life, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like conservative, I believe, a Christian, but I don't know for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, I enjoy watching that because it's not a lot of conservative uh, comedy. And when it is, it's kind of bad. Hmm? I said, and when it is, it's kind of bad. Yeah, it's kind of bad. Um, but I love his stuff because it's not just all conservatives are right, liberals are evil, because the mm-hmm. other people in the cast are also liberals, and they get their viewpoints and mm-hmm. their jabs. So uh, it's a fairly even type yeah. of show. Um, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that even conversation, not just conservatives are evil you know or liberals are idiots it's like no these are both sides have intelligent people on yeah reasons for their arguments i may disagree with their reasons but we can have a polite discussion about it and not resort to name flinging yeah and it might get heated but at the end of the day like we're it's still bigger than us like we're or we're still bigger than that you know just as like people who love each other (laughs) yes very Um, much so you know, and that's like, that's ultimately, that's what I really like about the show is it's just kind of like, here are all the views. Like you and your family talk about it now is kind of like, that's kind of the vibe I get from, from Carmichael's show. And it's like, we did mm-hmm. and we still love each other. Like maybe you can do the same thing. And even the, the thumbnail for, you know, the president Trump episode is 
him looking pretty pissed at his dad while his dad's wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Mm. Um, so, you know, it seems like, once again, they're going to go all sides on that one. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to that <laughs> episode. I really yeah. want to see how they handle that one. Yeah. Because um, it's been pretty good so far, so. Interested to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, there are really good jokes in it, too. There's just, like, really funny stuff that happens. Like, the family's really funny. The mom is hilarious in it. Mm. Yeah. So, Carmichael show is really good. Uh, I started the new Mystery Science Theater. Oh, was it good? It's so great. Man, I love it. Yeah, I started the new Mystery Science Theater, and it is great. We've watched the first two episodes. The first episode has a bit that immediately became one of my favorite things they've done on that show ever yeah. in 12 seasons. It's a song called Every Every Country Has a Monster, and it is great. Uh, <laughs> man, it's so good. It's, it's, it's just a rap about all the different, uh, like mythological beasts that are across the world nice um and it is man it's so good it's so good go look it up every country has a monster mystery science theater uh it's really good and then the second episode is this insane movie called cry wilderness where this kid met bigfoot last summer and uh then Bigfoot shows up at his boarding school and is like, your dad is in trouble. You've got to go help him. And so he like runs away from school and hitchhikes across the country. A child. Like he's like nine. Um, and hitchhikes across the country because Bigfoot told him to because his dad is in danger. Uh, it's insane. It's okay. an insane movie. Yes. And the jokes are really good. Um <laughs> The, the 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 thing about the first episode is the movie's really boring. Yeah. The second episode, the movie's bananas, and so it's really entertaining, and they get some really good jokes out of it. Nice. Um, so we've only watched the first two episodes so far, but I am on board with it for sure. Nice. Um, they nailed the tone of it. Like, it just, it feels like they just picked it up, and, like, it feels like it never left. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, I think, the best praise you can give to that show yeah um they just like they just nailed it from the beginning basically uh <laughs> i'm like 10 minutes away from making every country has a monster by ringtone <laughs> uh i yeah. love it man um, I, need to, I need to get into that one yeah oh, gosh, it. it's so good especially since i never really watched the original show yeah mm. uh, i never got into that i did riff tracks but yeah Never the Mystery Science Theater. Oh, I man. saw it on the TV and I always thought, what is what is going on? It's a movie and they got these guys in front, but they're talking over it. Like, what is this? Oh, man. That was my jam. Like, that... I think you can trace the origin of my humor to that and Animaniacs. I think those two <laughs> things shaped my comedic <laughs> sensibilities more than anything else. What was the, the little one with his hat um, backwards? What Wacko? I loved his voice. It talked like this. Yeah, he talked like a uh, Ringo Starr. Talked like Ringo Starr. I got to go potty. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, if you've ever seen the guy who does the voice, he's this like long-haired Metallica-looking dude. <laughs> he like he does not look like Wacko at all. It looks like it's he could great. Be a Wacko, but yeah, <laughs> but not Wacko. Yeah, um, I awesome. forget his name, but he's great. Um, yeah, that one actually, Anim Animaniacs, it. I didn't realize the effect that show had on me until it hit Netflix and I started watching it with my wife mm -hmm. and I was like, holy crap, 
every single one of these jokes is a joke that I would make. Like, it's all just a bunch of, like, weird old Hollywood references, a bunch of stuff about Warner Brothers history, stupid puns, lame double entendres where, like, someone says one word, but then you take the other meaning of that word and say it back to them. Like, that's all crap I do every hour of every day. (laughs) Um, Spielberg was a producer on it, uh, which makes total sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) to me. Um, it's just so funny, like, going back and watching it as an adult and being like, oh man, this thing, like, I didn't realize that this thing had a profound impact on how my brain (laughs) operates. Um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, I was more aware of the impact that had because I was in high school when I was really into that. I was in junior high and high school, Mm -hmm. but Animaniacs was on when I was really little. And, uh, so I think that combined with, do you remember Tiny Toon Adventures? Oh yeah. I think those two, I watched the crap out of Tiny Toon Adventures, and it was Spielberg, a lot of old Hollywood, a lot mm-hmm. of Warner Brothers jokes. Spielberg was the producer on it. Spielberg's in the opening credits of Tiny Toon Adventures, actually. Oh, um, and so I think those two things, maybe even, because t- I feel like they were very similar in tone and the types of jokes they did. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe even Tiny Toon Adventures was really what did it. Uh, but Tiny Toon Adventures is not available to watch anywhere, really. Mm. So we started watching Animaniacs, and I think it's very similar. Yeah. And so I think maybe actually Tiny Toon Adventures shaped my comedy brain, and then so did Mystery Science Theater. Because uh, I remember watching Tiny Toon Adventures way more than Animaniacs. Yeah. Um, but they're very similar shows. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it's just weird that I, I feel like I kind of like unlocked a part of my history. <laughs> I understand myself so much better now. Yeah. My jams back in the day were Rugrats. Man, yeah. And um, Muppet Babies. Oh, man, I loved the Muppet Babies. Watch the tar out of those <laughs> Man, <laughs> of I love the Muppet Babies. I, which may be why I love the Muppets as an adult. I'm a huge Muppets fan, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's probably it. Uh, I loved the all best. those Nicktoons, though. Every, every single one of them I loved. Doug, I thought was great. I remember watching a few episodes of Doug. I was super into Doug. The one that always weirded me out was Ah Real Monsters. I I remember just being like, Oh, yeah. That was weird. That was a weird one. (laughs) That was one I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid Mm. because it was like, What kind of humor is going on here? Uh huh. Hmm. The hand with armpit hair. creepy so we'll bring it in for a landing here uh we've been talking about an hour i hope you enjoyed this kind of loose uh shaggy conversation it was fun man yeah uh i really like this episode actually i I don't know if anyone else will but uh whatever so as (laughs) as we're headed it's too late now um as we're headed into summer movie season uh we originally were going to do this episode as our most anticipated movies of the summer And then I realized that would defeat the purpose of having a before episode for every movie. Uh, And so I think we we should probably just name one, uh, maybe one or two uh, that that we're really, really looking forward to. Um, so Ryan, what are what are maybe a couple that um, the two? I mean, I'm excited for all the different, like all the Marvel ones, of course. But the two that are just like that fanboy, like ah, I can't wait till it comes out. Right now, um, War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And uh, please don't smite me, MJ, but King Arthur. Oh, I'm really? Super excited for that. Really? Well, I'm, I love the Arthur mythos, and mm-hmm. I love the different interpretations that have come. And it's kind of been, as far as I know, part of movie cinema history for a while. Like, there's, you've got like Excalibur, King Arthur, maybe there's only three or four, but uh-huh. it seems like it's something someone else has kind of always given their interpretation of it. And so I'm, I'm excited to see this one, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. 
Because it looks like they're they're for this King Arthur, they really seems like they're leaning into the fantasy side of it. Yeah, which we haven't seen that in a while, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, you know what, man? I watched that last trailer, and I don't know if I'm sold on that movie, but that's a great trailer. Yeah, I, there's something about that trailer that worked for me, and like it shouldn't. Yeah. I don't know why it does, but there's something about it where I was like, that looks kind of silly but dope. Like, yeah. that... well, I'm excited for it um, because it looks like King Arthur's not a pansy. Mm. like i like the idea of like he's a kid on the streets mm-hmm. and that's kind of where he gets a lot of the building blocks for his character and i think that's kind of cool because another king arthur things he's just kind of like oh dear father i pulled the sword out and <laughs> <laughs> let's not go to camelot it's a city place you know that yeah that kind of king arthur this one some moistened git yes yeah, yeah. moistened git um this king arthur seems like it's kind of built up to be you know he's solid yeah. Like, you don't mess around with this kind of guy. So yeah. I'm excited. And the fantasy element, I'm a sucker for fantasy, so. Yeah. Um, second on War, for sure. Oh my gosh. Holy crap. That's, I'm so excited. It's the it's the silver lining that's kind of been the franchise that just keeps, is each one has been amazing. They're, like, those movies are way better than they have any right to be. Yeah. Like, they shouldn't be good, and they're incredible. Like, they're not just good, they're great. Yes. <laughs> like, in, like, woof. One of the best franchises that's come out of the new millennium. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. And then uh, my number one most anticipated movie of the of the summer is also my most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, which it's been a while since uh, it hasn't been kind of an Oscar baity late in the year movie. But it's uh, Baby Driver. Yeah. Man. Oh, gosh. I... We just had some people over last night, and they had never heard of the movie, because they're not marketing the damn thing, Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, then we're watching this trailer, and so I made them watch it, and my friend looked at me and was like, I'm so excited about this. He was like, I'm on the hype train already, like, I've all, he, he looked at me and was like, I've already decided I like this movie, and I was like, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly, that's exactly how I feel about it. And it's going to make like $12 because they aren't marketing it at mm. all. Um, par for the course with Edgar Wright. It's got some good buzz off of festivals, but we'll see. Mm. Um, but I, I am. it just looks like it ticks all the boxes of everything I like yeah. <laughs> in a movie. Um, I told my friend it looks like a, it looks like a cinematic pair of sunglasses. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just looks like, all, it, like the same things that I value about movies are what this movie is doing. Nice. Um, and so I'm just, I'm so excited. We actually, we had our friends over, we watched the trailer and then another one of our friends came over and we made her watch the trailer. <laughs> so actually I've seen the trailer like 12 or 15 times at this point. Worth it. I love it, man. Oh gosh. I'm so excited. So that's uh, what you guys have look, to look forward to uh, over the summer. Uh, next week, we'll be back to talk about Before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real big kickoff to, to summer, uh, blockbuster. summer blockbuster season, man. It's here. It's a wild time at the Before and After Show. Ryan, this is your first time going through it. Uh, <laughs> it's busy. Uh, I'll let you know that up right up front. Uh, it's, it's a real busy time mm-hmm. for the show, but it's a really fun, uh, I think, some of the, our best conversations have come out of the summer blockbusters. My favorite episode of all time has come out of the, the summer blockbusters, which is the Jurassic World episode. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, just steal yourself. Gird up your loins. <laughs> Gird thy loins. Uh, blockbusters cometh. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just feel like Ned Stark, like, blockbusters are coming. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Are gonna get decapitated? <laughs> Maybe, we'll see. Spoilers, sorry. Spoilers for me? For anybody, I don't know. No, for my life? Uh, I guess. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, We're gonna die. Well, dang. I'm looking way less forward to this summer blockbuster season now. There were some good ones on the horizon, but apparently I'm gonna die before I get to see Kingsman, so what's the point? <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Uh, you can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. And you can find my review writing at keithlovesmovies.com. I just reviewed The Promise over there. It's bad. Don't go see it. Uh, mm. I just wrote about the Kingsman trailer, the new Kingsman trailer, which looks super dope uh, over at Word of the Nerd. And I actually wrote about Mac and me getting f- figurines made out of it. Uh, yeah oh good guy yep uh so those are two things that i wrote about today <laughs> Man. super random but yeah go check that out we do good work over there i really like my time over there uh at net it doesn't feel like work to me it's you know i have a busy schedule but i make time to write for for them and they've been really cool to me and uh yeah i like it a lot um also go check out the more gooder than podcast that's more gooder than uh they i don't know uh i kind of talked to them on facebook recently and they were really cool and i won a copy of star trek risk for from them um but um they're gonna mention this show and and mention uh that we just had our 100th episode um and yeah uh you should go listen to them they have a cool premise uh, i'll let them explain it they'll be better at explaining it than me but it's it's a real good time and they're local um they're local and and they're really nice and you should check them out uh also if you listened to the 100th episode thank you so much uh that was a lot of fun that was a lot of editing i was up till (laughs) one in the morning editing that that uh behemoth and no wonder one of the segments ended up in there twice but uh (laughs) we we did it uh so we'll be back next week with episode 101 uh until next time go do the things you like Woohoo!